Um, take your Bibles, if you would, and, uh, and our, our, go to our text, if you would. Um, start with that. We're talking in James chapter 1, 22. We're in the series calling uh, to be activated. And, and it's, it's really important that we realize the things that we're supposed to be activated to. But we using this particular passage as a, as a theme verse for us to process and think about what does it really mean, all right? To not merely listen to the word, all right, and deceive ourselves, but to do what it says, there's a lot of people out there who know or can say something about God and his existence. I talk to people all the time who believe that God exists, all right? But it doesn't mean any change that happens in their lives. Now, for the body of Christ, it shouldn't be that way, right? Let me tell you something. No matter how long you've been a Christian, there's still fine-tuning that God is doing in, in your life. There's still things that are, that are happening, all right? None of you are perfect, even though you might think you are, all right? <laughs> None of us are. There are no perfect people here. Actually, no perfect people are allowed, all right? Because the moment that, you, you know, if you find a perfect church and you go to be part of it, then guess what? It quit being perfect. <laughs> all right. But do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking, all right, at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's senseless. That's useless. It's idiotic, all right? It, it, it doesn't make any sense at all to look and not make some adjustments or some changes. All right, but look at this now what happens. But second uh, slide there. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. How many of you want to be blessed? All right, so that's what we're looking at. We're looking at how we can be activated, doing what it says, doing what the Word of God says in order to become everything he wants us to be. And we've been talking about what? Being activated to pray, right? Activated to fast. Activated in the Word. Activated to celebrate. We, we talked about the power of celebration. It's not just a, a feel-good activity that you should be doing there's actual purpose in celebration some people don't they they, they they think that sometimes even churches you know shouldn't be a place where they're celebrate all right you go to some places and their faces are all turned upside down you know what i'm saying they don't know what a smile is i mean the happiest people on earth ought to be the body of christ amen the people will celebrate. Wherever you're going, you ought to be celebrating. You say, but don't you know, Pastor, the world is wicked and, and all kinds of bad things are happening. Yeah, it is. I know that. But guess what? My name is written on the roll, all right? My name is in the book. And, 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 and I, I get sad about those things, but I can't stay sad long because I celebrate what he's done for me. <coughs> Excuse me. It's important for us to really realize that we should be activated to equality. We've got to be looking around and trying to find individuals whom the society in which we live have done an injustice to. It isn't just a color thing, all right? It's a size thing. It's a what side of the track of the thing. It's a social economic thing. You know what? Oh, there's all kinds of injustices that are being done, and we need to be aware and make sure that we're a promoter of lifting people up and not tearing them down. Amen? How many of you believe that? Come on. How many of you know that's not happening? Do you, am I talking about something that really isn't an issue? No, it is an issue. And so we need to be activated, we said, to love. I'm going to deal a little bit more with that today. I've got to dive into that a little bit more. And, and I, I want to draw your attention to a passage in Scripture here in Matthew chapter 28. <coughs> Excuse me. i got a, got a tickle in my throat. Yeah. Word of God says what? Read it with me. 
Therefore, go and what? Make disciples. All right, we're going to talk about what that is. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these, what? The new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It is so important that we understand that this is not a suggestion. (laughs) Oh, when you got nothing else to do, when you get bored of going to church, when you got bored of living life, why don't you just go ahead and think about making some disciples? This is a command. We call it the Great Commission. It's what Jesus had in mind. Well, I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to go and be with my Father at his right hand. I'm going to be interceding for you so that you can do this, that you can go and make disciples, right, of all nations. Be sure of this, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He sent his Holy Spirit. This statement was made by Jesus to his disciples shortly before he ascended to heaven. And and it's so important that it says that you understand, it doesn't just say make new converts. He says make disciples. There's a difference. There's a difference between those who are just new converts and disciples. There are people in this room today who knows what it was like in order to make a a salvation commitment prayer, to pray a prayer, and then to be left. And you know what? We have to accept the responsibilities of church that we've been the ones who have done the leaving. We haven't had things organized. We haven't administrated well. We haven't done certain things in order to call people to be activated, to be true discipleship people. The Lord's dealt with me, and, and I know we, we have to just do a, a better job. Because just being a believer is different than being a disciple. Being a believer doesn't automatically make you a disciple. Some of you can remember when you were learning to drive. And you were really excited about it, probably. But it wasn't long that you were behind that wheel. And something happened that was surprising to you. There was a realization that if you was not aware of your surroundings, if you weren't constantly growing in your ability to how the road and the terrain changes at different corners and turns, if we're going from a dirt road to a, to a, a concrete road or a blacktop road, or, or you wasn't aware about how a turn changes. Even when I come around that corner there on Business 31 coming from the north, uh, you know, and that's a, it becomes a sharp corner. I kind of take that a little aggressive. I'm, I'm a little aggressive guy, you know. And I'm like, oh, I've got I to gotta, I gotta dial that back. Things change. And so as a, as a driver, I can remember the, the very first time that someone pulled out in front of me. Some people have the expectation that just because you have the right-of-way, you have the right-of-way. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's not the case. The law may say you have the right-of-way. But if that other car comes into your path and says that you don't, you can argue with them all day long, but it will be with crunch metal and such. You know what I'm talking about? So you have to be aware. We have to be aware that we're constantly growing. You know, this discipleship term that we use is is what we use to often describe building up or strengthening the believers, their Christians, the Christian body of Christ, in order to become more Christ-like. 
And I believe that we need to be activated to discipleship. Not just making disciples, but being good disciples as well. A disciple is incomplete if they do not become a disciple maker. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what he told us to do. The word of God is filled with all kinds of passages that encourage us to mature in our faith. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 says, Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 3 says, Like newborn babes who crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Discipleship is a lifelong process that God uses to bring us into maturity. I, I got to confess. I've considered myself mature for, for some time now, okay? But it doesn't mean that there's not some fleshly things that start to come in and that immaturity that, that I, I'm still not quite there with. I mean, I let some things take over in my mind. You know what I'm talking about? Does anyone else get come, you know, bombarded with thoughts that kind of come in? You're like, you know what? I ought to be able to handle this better. I should have been able to respond to the situation a little bit better than what I am. Why did I let that comment from so-and-so bother me so? Why is it that that happens? Because I'm constantly being perfected into the image of Christ. I'm constantly in this disciple-making process for myself, but also trying to help others in it as well. You see, Matthew chapter 10, verse 24 says, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is, an, it is enough for the disciples that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. Think about that. As a disciple, you're supposed to be a learner. A student. I mean, in Vine's Dictionary, it says this, one who follows another's teachings. Can I tell you something? The very word disciple implies discipline. And discipline is something that we try to throw off. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. Or they perish for lack of discipline. For the whole process of you becoming what you need to be means you need to be discipled. Now, the idea of discipline usually has a negative connotation that comes with it. And somebody thinks automatically punishment. Can I tell you that discipline can be a welcome thing when it's being done right? When someone is disciple-making to you and you've been disciplined and rather than feeling beat down, you can feel lifted up. You can feel built up. You can feel encouraged. You can look at your actions and realize that you made a mistake. But rather than someone giving up on on you, they wrapped their arms around you and said, hey, let me talk to you about how you could have responded differently to the situation than before. How you can have the heart of Christ who can look at this woman, who can look at this man, who can, these individuals who, who were not right, who can look at a thief on the cross and say, today you will be with me in paradise. Who would have said the same thing to the other one who disregarded him and, 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 and was disrespectful to him if he would have said that. You, you know, would have said, Oh, I, I do recognize it. Who could say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Is that the first thing that comes to your mind when someone stabs you in the back? <laughs> Is that what we feel like? Romans 8, 29, Paul said God's goal for redeeming or the saving of mankind was that they would be conformed into the image of his son. Can I tell you something? It doesn't happen automatically. Really? I thought he's the one that's going to do it. Oh, he is. But you see, we need to make every effort. We need to be 
activated. We need to be intentional about mixing those ingredients together and allowing for the Holy Spirit to create a little bit of heat in our life where the fire can burn off all of the impurities and the pure stuff can rise up to the top. You see, your troubles and your trials are for your good. They're to burn away all of the, the yuck yuck. For you to be able to see how you can respond when you become a true follower of Christ who is a disciple. I believe it ought to be a lifelong lesson for us to constantly be learning from Christ. A true disciple. John chapter 8 verse 31, or it's on the screen, it says this. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is the first mark of people who are activated to be disciples, is that they will hold to the teachings of Jesus. Hold to the teachings of Jesus. Hold on. Like, guess what? It's your very lifeline. Hold on, because guess what? If you don't have a hold of the teachings of Christ, you will grab a hold of the teachings of this world. And the Bible says they are in conflict with one another. But when you hold to the teachings of Christ, all of a sudden something starts to happen in you. In, in the, the King James Version used in this particular passage talks about abiding in. In John chapter 15 it talks about if you abide in me and me in you. The, the NIV says if you remain in me and I remain in you, all right? It means to stay. It means that he will dwell. He will endure. It means that he will be ever present, right, for you. Presence in your time of trouble. You will be able to stand. You will be able to, uh, uh, an old word, tarry. You'll be able to hold up, all right, underneath all the pressures. Listen, if you are going to be an activated disciple of Christ, you've got to hold on to the teachings like they are your lifeline, not like they're a noose around your neck. You tell some people to read the word of God and they think, I can't do that. That just feels so burdensome. It feels so heavy. I suggest to you, if you're at that particular place, I don't want to bring condemnation. I just want to tell you that you you really haven't understood the reason and the purpose for the word of God because it's to protect you. It's to lift you up and to make you feel uh, swelled up in him. Can I say that, all right? Listen, we got to get a little puffed up in the word, all right, not in ourselves. You get to eat on the word, the word of God, the word of life. Listen, it's so important that you hold to teachings. You can't know it unless you read it. you got to set aside some time. And I've heard people say over and over again, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Listen, we are without excuse today with all the technologies that we have. There, are, there is a word of God that is dramatically being read for you. You push a button on your phone or on your computer and it's dramatized and you can be able to listen to it and there's birds that are caulking and cooing in the background and there's a sound of a storm and such. I mean, you can feel like you're right there. And if you don't like the King James vernacular or the NIV or the, or the authorized version of something else, you can find the, the New Living uh, Translation or you can find the message. There's all kinds of translations out there that you can read and to help you to be grown up. But it's time that we put away the excuses. It's time that we become people who will be activated to hold to the teachings of Jesus. And you can't know them until you read them. John chapter 13 says this, a new command I give to you, love one another. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. God looking at that and thinking, a new command. Why was it new? Is it just something never spoken before? I mean, when I came to know Christ, it must have been my upbringing that, that kind of shaped me. And that I, I just understood that that's the way it was supposed to be. But here in that particular time, he says, listen, you once have been living in a manner or way that's been a self-preservation mode. It's been in a consumer mentality. It's been in a mode that says, oh, I need the love of God. I need the love of God. He says, all right, you've received the love of God. You've received this, this grace that's been abundant unto you. But this new command I have for you, love one another. Now become somebody who makes an understanding about how they can love one another. You've received the love. You've become a disciple. You've held to the teachings of God. Now go love somebody else. And so our second degree of what it means to be activated, activated disciples love one another. They love one another. This ought to be a characteristic of us. It ought to be someone who knows us, right? He says, know this, that as I have loved you, this is how people will know that I am real. We must realize the disciple is one who wants to become like his teacher. Do you want to become like Jesus? Or have you bought into the lie that he was so perfect, that he was so unreachable that you could never attain and never be like him so you just throw in the towel anyway? I know what that is. That's lazy. God doesn't want us to be lazy. He wants us to be excited because guess what? You're not supposed to do it alone. You don't have to do it in your own strength. You don't do it in your own abilities. Instead, you do it because he is th living through you. You've participated and in, 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 in activated yourself in the word, and all of a sudden he starts to transform you from the inside out. You're being conformed into his image, and all those old reactions that you used to have to people who made you mad, all of a sudden it's not the same anymore, Right? All of a sudden you say, I've got to love them. I wonder if my actions show love or if it shows me being self-protective, protecting my territory, making sure that I have my rights, my right of way. Well, we've already discovered what happens if we're more concerned about our right of way than we are the right of passage for other people. We see Jesus understanding how important it was in order to say that love is the core of it all. I don't want to re -pre preach that message that I preached a couple weeks ago, but, you know, it's so important for you to realize that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a responsibility to encourage one another. How do people know that you love them? How is it? Is it just with the handshake? Is it just with the fist? Is it just with the smile? What is happening in your world and you're gathered together of your brothers and sisters in the Lord to where there is evidence that you love them? Now think about the deepest levels of love. I'm not just talking about the romantic, all right, you know, type of thing, but, but even that, that, that type of love. How is it that your spouse knows that you love them? How is it that your kids know that you love them? Some people will give a quick answer and they'll say this. they say, well, because a, 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 a father, I put a roof over their head. I put food on that table. They come home from work and they're just barking out orders. When are those kids going to bed? I got to get some sleep. I got to get up early in the morning. 
Let me tell you something. Love sacrifices, doesn't it, Willie? I'm looking at a hard worker there. <laughs> People don't like to be called out like that, but this guy right here is a hard worker. Lots of hard workers in here, but, buddy, you need to be lifted up. You need, I, I see it in you, what you do, and how hard you want to work in order to provide for your family, but you make time when you can. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't happen without intention. It happens when you intentionally say, and you question, you evaluate, you sit there and say, I wonder if there's enough evidence in my life to convict me to be a lover of people. Okay, so this ain't a shouting message. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if there's enough evidence. Could I be found guilty that I could be so much like Jesus that they just look and they say, we don't get it. He got falsely accused, and all I see is love. He gets all these, these false accusations coming, and all I see is kindness. Would it be cool? You know, you know what the people of the world will tell you? Listen, you've got to get to the point and quit taking that. I know there's circumstances that, 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 that depict and demand for us to have certain actions, but nowhere in the Word of God will you ever find a place where God will say that you have to act in another way different than love. Instead, he says, speak the truth in love. Amen? Does this sound like you so far? How you doing? Does this sound like you? Does this sound like your goal? John 15, 8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Look at that there. This is to my Father's glory that you bear how much? What? Much fruit. He doesn't say that you just bear fruit, but you bear much fruit. Yeah, can I tell you, there's some people who's content with this, well, at least. You ever hear anyone say, at least? What are they basically saying? Well, at the minimum, I've done this. God is a blessing God. God is an over-the-top God. God is the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hill, all right? Not just, he is the one who has endued you with a power from on high that allows for you to become something that you weren't before. He allows you to love at a whole new level. He allows you to bear much fruit, not just some fruit. And some people will say, well, at least I wasn't as bad as what I was. At least I'm not as bad as what I, I was before. You know, you, you'd have to know me years ago. When someone calls you up, when someone calls you out and says, you know what, I wonder if that is the attitude or the characteristics of Christ because we've got to have that in our lives, right? And, and, then, and you say, well, listen, you need to give me a break because you don't know the way that I used to be. If you knew the way I used to be, you'd think that I'd come a long way. And while there's some truth in that, is that not also an excuse in that? You see, we need to know that he wants us to be activated, right, to bear much fruit. I wonder if we could answer the question, are you living your life to please God or to please self? Because the fruit that he wants me to bear is the stuff that brings glory to him. It's not living according to my own desires, but living in a way in which he gets the attention. 
<laughs> Some of you have looked in the mirror and the only thing you've been able to do is complain about what God has left you with. <laughs> you've looked in the mirror and all you've seen is inconsistencies and inadequacies and shortcomings. And you say, God, if you were going to do something in me, you're going to make me the way in which I'm supposed to be made here, then why didn't you set me up with a few more gifts? Why didn't you set me up to be a little bit more successful? I want to tell you something. God knows exactly where you're at right now, and he's not looking at what you see in the mirror with those physical eyes and seeing those as limitations. He's seeing those things as opportunities. He's seeing those as places where you can say, you know what? I know that you know who I am. I know that you know my name. I know that you know the way that you made me. I know that you know what things are going on in my life. I know what things I have limitations with, what handicaps I have. But one thing I know is that you are with me always, even unto the very end of the age. And you start a work in me, and you won't stop working on me until you bring it to completion. Amen? Amen. Listen, he says, uh, he wants to know, are you more concerned about you getting the praise or him getting the praise? If you're all that when you look in the mirror and there's no corrections to be made, then I wonder, all right? I wonder what glasses you need, right? Because when I look in the mirror, I see something that needs to change. I want to be a doer of the word, not just be a listener or a hearer only, all right? I want to be someone that can say in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify my Father which is in heaven. That's what I want. I want for individuals who, who, who just shake their heads and just say, I don't know how you do it. And I deflect it and I say, I can't, but and he does. Right? We should be living a life so full. Someone notices our good works. Uh, I, I know it, it's a delicate balance, and, and there's sometimes that false humility comes out, and someone will say to me or, or to maybe to others, you know, you really did a good job there or something like that, and they, they say, yeah, listen, it wasn't me, it was all Jesus. <laughs> I, I get that, but it's okay for you to say thank you. I'm just allowing for the Holy Spirit to work through me, and he's perfecting me all along the way. You know what I'm saying? Listen, it's okay. You are a creation and a child of God. You can go ahead and say, I'm so thankful that I wasn't that, uh, that, that, I w- uh, that I responded right in that moment because I haven't in the past. But he changed me. Your story is powerful about what you were and, and what you are now. <laughs> John 15 One says, the vine that doesn't bear fruit is taken away, cut off. Oh, my goodness. How serious is he about us bearing fruit? Abide in him, remain in him. And if we don't, the gardener, God the Father, the gardener, will come away and prune, will cut off those things, those sucklings, those branches that are fruitless. And sapping out the power and the energy from the rest of the body of Christ or those who have identified. You say, really, is he that serious about he's going to cut me off if I don't become a fruit bearer? No, it's what the word of God says. Well, what does he mean by that? Don't you think we need to figure out what he means by that? Am I doing much fruit or not? It all depends whether or not I'm obeying this other test that he has given us or this commission to go and make disciples. 
I find this so interesting that the people with the most problems in life, the most woe unto me type of people who's got their head hanging and kicking up the dust all the time and the woe unto me mentality, the individuals that are walking that way day in and day out, month after month, are the ones that don't have an intention on trying to help others. They don't have an intention on trying to bear much fruit. You see, the, 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 the problems that, that come into my life, if I get irritated with them. I don't want it to be irritated with people. My struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities, the powers, and the rulers in high places that stop me from being Christ to the very objects of his love. So I want to bear much fruit. And so I want to take a look at, when we're in this complaining, whining mode about everything that's going wrong in our life, how about we just move on from that, we move on in our thinking, we get a renewed way of thinking, say, you know what, I'm concentrating on this, so, this stuff too much. I need to start concentrating upon what he has done for me and what I want to do for him in response. I want to be a true disciple and a disciple maker of others. And then all of a sudden, I can promise you this, things are going to start to turn around in your life. Bearing fruit to the glory of God will become an all-natural reaction. Take you to the, my last point here. We'll get into an, an, a little bit more application. But Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he says this. If anyone comes to me and does not, this is a difficult passage. Does not hate his father and mother his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. How many of you say this is a big gulper? <laughs> That's a big gulp. That's a hard one to swallow. What in the world is he saying? You've heard of a hyperbole, right? That's where he makes something so big, so, so large. He says, listen, I, I, Jesus was not here saying that he wants us to hate in the literal sense. But in comparison to your commitment and your loyalty to him, it, there ought to be such a drastic difference. If it comes to you picking in, in, in what you will do for the cause of the kingdom or what you will do for family, you should pick the kingdom every single time. Pastor, this is a hard teaching but it's the mark of a disciple of Christ. If you're here today and you're a guest and you wonder, wow, that's, that's, a, that's a bunch of crazies in there. I mean, that pastor talked about how, how they're supposed to hate this father or mother, wife, children. Some of you might not have a hard time doing that, all right? But here's what I'm trying to say to you. If you're an activated disciple, you know how to count the cost. You know how to count the cost. Your love for God should be so strong that in comparison to your love for others, it would look like hate. That's what he's saying. In Luke 59, 59, he says, Jesus says to me, follow me. And a man replied, he says, well, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus answered, let the dead bury their own dead. You go preach the kingdom of God. Someone who reads that, who doesn't understand the backdrop of that, all of a sudden they're saying, what kind of person is this? Who would ask me to do that? But what they don't understand is that this father's uh, 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 this, this man's father's probably wasn't dead at that time. And it was just an excuse to be given. Well, let me go ahead and take care of these matters of the world first. Make sure that I could shore up my investments. I could shore up my, in, my inheritance. I can't leave right now because I don't have the relationship that I need to have. And I need to take care of this. And Jesus says, how about me letting take care of you? How about you letting me prop you up? How about you love me more than anything else that this world has to offer? 
Listen, I love my family. I love my little grandchild. I love my girl. She melts my heart. But listen, when I grab them little children that are here in this church, and I look at them, and I see them too, God puts something in my heart that I want as much good and blessings for them as I want my very own life and blood. You know what I'm saying? God forbid that my family would ever choose, that my kids would ever choose to reject God. But I cannot let their criticism, I cannot let their persecution, I cannot let their lack of understanding ever get in the way of my devotion to be a disciple maker. Amen? It's hard. So many people live in the natural. They get excited when, when, well, at least my kids aren't doing this. It's important that you understand there's not least. There's much when it comes to God. There's not a least. (laughs) Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 says, he says, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Really? That's another one of those hard ones. But being a disciple of Christ will cause for there to be some personal conflicts in your life. The disciples in Jesus' time were radicals. But you know what? They considered that normal living. <laughs> you can't You can't work in a way to try to run away from the trouble. Jesus found out that they were after him, and guess what? He went into the same area. (laughs) Right? He didn't try to hide. His disciples didn't try to hide. You could have come and taken me at any point in time when I was teaching in the public square. But no, you come to me in the middle of the night is what Jesus told the people, his captors that came that night. He says, you didn't need Judas to to kiss me and to show show you who I was. I've admitted it right now, who I am. I wonder if you're like that when it comes to being made in the image of Christ. Listen, some of you wonder where my loyalty is, where my commitment is. It is to Jesus. It is to God my Father. And I, I, I will never, I don't have to disrespect you in order to show my love and devotion to him. Huh. I wonder if you're willing to risk conflict in your life to be a disciple of Christ. Because if you are, get ready for the ridicule, get ready for the persecution, get ready for the, wor- the world to try to call you out when you try to speak the truth in love, and they will call you names and say that you're intolerant and that you're a, a hater. There are biblical things in the Word of God that we have to preach, and we talk about that the marriage being a holy matrimony between a man and a woman, and someone would think, how could I deny Two people of the same sex ever sharing love in a, in, a, in a marital relationship. Listen, the Bible is what says it's not right. And I show my love to you by sharing with you the truth. I have to share it with you. We have, we have true things that are going on, but that's, that's just one area. You know what I'm saying about If someone is having an, an inconvenience pregnancy, all right, it's not a time. We have to make sure and help people to understand. Listen, we're going to be there for you. We're to show you how you can make a right choice now with the information you have and do something that is really, really going to be hard, but God will help you. For Luke 14, 27 says, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Praise team, come if you would, please. The story of a man who got lost in the desert. 
after wandering around for a long time, his throat became very dry. And um, it wasn't long, and he saw, though, a little shack in the distance. He made his way over to the shack, and there he found a well, one with a handle on it and a pump. And there on this well was a jug of water and a note. And the note read this. It says, pour all the water into the top of the pump to prime it. And if you do that, you'll get all the water that you need. Now he's out in the desert, and he's dying of thirst. And they said, pour all the water down the well. How many of you are thinking what I'm thinking? What if it doesn't work? What if this is a joke, a sick joke that someone is doing? Would he choose the water in the jug and get immediate satisfaction? Or would he possibly believe a note written by someone that he's never seen before and assess and evaluate the moment and say, I wonder, what do I have to lose? Short-term satisfaction or long-term gain? Where do you go all in on? Hopefully you go all in on what will give you long-term gain. So he did. He poured the entire jug into the pump, and he began to work that handle to the point where nothing came out, to where fear started to happen within his innermost being. What in the world did I just do? He's pumping on the handle, and all of a sudden he can hear a little bit of the gurgling that happens there, and he starts to feel a little bit of back pressure that happens on that pump, and all of a sudden... He'd never been happy, so happy to work so hard to get that water to come out. And more water came out than he had need of. He filled every jug that was around. He held out some water that was in an area where he could bathe himself. And the last part of this thing, it says, and oh, by the way, when you've got all that you have need, go ahead and fill this jug and leave this note for the next person. Listen. There is a mentality that God has. And it has to do with you being concerned for who comes after you. Who's next? He's looking for some individuals who will blaze the path and say, this is my last-ditch last effort. But I might as well go all in. You see, how do I become a disciple? How do I become a disciple? I first of all have to have a relationship with Christ. And you got to go all in. There's some people who have been seriously disappointed because they didn't know what it meant to go all in. Someone told them, well meaning, here's what you have to do. Jesus, He loves us all, He forgives us all, and all you have to do is say this prayer. Repeat these words after me. It's not wrong up to that point. But then when they leave it off with that and say, don't get now, now get ready for the, the trials. Get ready for the struggles. That's the full gospel. You know, by the way, he says, I want you to be a disciple maker yourself. Get ready to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right? Oh, by the way, teaching them to hold on to all of my commands. By the way, I'm going to be with you all the way through this. You can go in the earlier verse, and he says, all authority has been given to me in order to do this. God, your creator, your, your heavenly father, has said that you've got, I've got permission to do this. 
for you to become a child of God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I'm looking around the room and frankly, I don't see enough guests here. Is that all right to say? <laughs> We've got to do better at that, right? Got to invite some people here who need to get saved. Can you hear me? Right, amen? We gotta, that's the way it works. Or you, or you get them saved out there in the, in the public square, marketplace, and you bring them to church with you because the Bible says that we should not forsake the assembly together, but we ought to have doing it all the more as the day the Lord approaches, right? Amen? But here, today, if there be anybody who does not know Christ, it doesn't matter what you've done. You just need to say, I'm going all in. And I've heard what you said today, Pastor, and I understand it. It may be challenging to be a disciple, but that's me. That's me. I, I, I got to quit messing around. I have been disappointed. I'm lacking in fulfillment. My joy is not full. None of the, it, it, everything that's been told to me before, it's not being complete, but I want to be complete. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place right now. You may have prayed this prayer a long time ago, but today you recognize I haven't gone all in. I haven't gone all in, but I want to go all in right now. You want to go all in right now. Where are you at today? You say, I want to go all in. I recognize there's been limitations. I can't be a disciple maker because I'm not a true disciple myself. How is it that that will change when you go all in? Anybody here today? By the uplifted hand. By the uplifted hand. Yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to go all in. Come on. Anyone else? Anyone else? Says, yeah. 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 Good. Good. God bless you. He sees that. He knows exactly what you're talking about. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. Going to go all in? Going to go all in? Who's going to go all in? Who's going to get excited? Who's going to get the joy of the Lord? Who's going to be able to be, have the evidence that they're going all in? I want to pray for those individuals right now. Everyone, repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for paving the way by which I can make a decision to go all in. You went all in, and I want to follow you. Thank you for dying for my sins so that I can live forever. I acknowledge I've missed the mark, but you are picking me up and placing me right back where I belong. In Jesus' name, amen.